Hello and welcome to We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard and I shall be your host for today. Uh, now this is a getting to know you show um, and joining me tonight is uh, Dan Alcantara and he is from Dragori Games and he is all the way across the other side of the world in Brazil and um, he's come to, well... We're going to talk to him about his up-and-coming Kickstarter campaign, which is a couple of months away. But um, we just, you know, we we be we spoke a couple of times over Twitter, and uh, we decided to have a chat just now, just to help, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, put the word out there um, for his up-and-coming game, which is called Arena: The Contest. So, hello, Dan. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy and honored to. Uh, you just said to, uh, earlier to me that I am the first Brazilian you're having on your yes. podcast, and I hope I can meet the expectations. That's uh, okay. <laughs> I'm very happy to have you on. Um, as I said, we um, we started um, we started. I think it was a a brief conversation on um, on Twitter. And then we kind of have been exchanging emails um, yes. back and forward. And um, even though your Kickstarter is a good couple of months away, um, after looking at your your website and kind of finding out a little bit more about the game, um, I thought it would uh, yeah, be actually, good to hear you when, on, you know? Uh, actually, when you first contacted me on Twitter... Hmm. Uh, it was not that many months away. We expect we were expecting to launch it on early, uh, very early 2018, like yeah. in January. But mm-hmm. then we postponed it to get some more things done to the game. Yeah, yeah, you've got so to. So uh, uh, yeah, we're expecting about March right now, at the end of March, maybe the beginning of April, but we don't have an exact uh, an exact date. Yeah, that. and as uh, I think Jamie Stegmaier said, you. You launch a quick Kickstarter when it's ready to be launched. Yeah. You don't. You don't kind of launch it. Launch it before. Um, for anybody who is listening to us for the first time, uh, thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, the reason that we do this is because we we believe that there's quite simply not enough podcasts about board games. And we're certainly only one of two that's in Scotland. So you've got either ourselves or you've got Unlucky Frog Gaming. You should also check out the other Scottish podcast people out there. Um, the other reason that we do this is because um, we like to speak to um, board game creators. Um, so I'm very honoured that Dan has agreed to come on tonight and tell us um, tell us an awful lot more about arena the contest so the um the, f- the normally what we would do um is we would talk a little bit about your kind of your history with kind of the board game hobby so do you want to do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about you know kind of how you got into board gaming or tabletop yourself um, sure. as a starter yeah yeah okay sure uh well i am very fortunate to have uh, parents that enjoy board games so at a very early age they introduced me to the ultimate board game the perfect blend of strategy and tactics which is chess all right I, okay. 
I immediately fell in love and started to study it six hours a day, winning tournaments and all. Um, my parents quickly started to lose all games against me, so we shifted to more light-minded games of luck, like Monopoly. You uh, <laughs> swapped swap chess for Monopoly. Yeah, but just among us. Uh, I, I, I was a huge fan of uh, electronic games. Uh, my uh, Super Nintendo and afterwards oh, PlayStation right. were on every single day. Yeah. But somehow my happiest memories are the weekends when my parents would ignore how tired they were from having worked hard all week and sat mm. at the table to play something with me and my brother. Uh, flash forward many years, mm. I graduate from law school and suddenly I feel a bit too old to be playing video games. I still play every single Final Fantasy that comes out, but I'm nowhere okay. near that impressionable kid who had too much free time to enjoy everything that came out. Yeah. Uh, and then I enter kind of a sad moment when I start working, and I rarely, <laughs> <laughs> I rarely get to use my mind while having fun. I mean, yeah. I, I use my mind at work, but it's no fun at all. Okay. And I have fun while watching TV and playing stupid games, but I don't really use much my mind. And that moment uh, coincided with the best event that could have happened to the board game industry. The moment when multiplayer offline electronic games yeah. stopped making sense. Yes. Everybody suddenly had good Wi-Fi connection and every single game, however simple or small, started having multiplayer servers online. Oh, right. So every, every, everybody could play them at the comfort of their own homes. Uh -huh. So pur purchasing two, three, like four controllers for my PlayStation stopped making sense. Why, yeah. why would you play on split screens anymore? <laughs> right? So... Uh, and and now I mean later on, and by that I mean nowadays. Nowadays, uh, with smartphones, everybody yes. can suddenly talk to everybody anywhere at any time, and you don't have to describe something anymore. You can simply Google image stuff, take a snapshot for a screen, and send it. And this whole process takes seconds. Um, anyway, what I mean is meeting people, meeting with people to talk is making less sense and meeting people to play electronic games makes even less sense. Yeah. But playing board games makes sense. It's the perfect excuse to meeting some friends on a regular basis or even meeting new people. It's mm. the perfect counter move to these driving forces of the information age that try to put distance between people. Uh, but to answer your question specifically, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're sounding, you're sounding like a lost, a lost, a lost student kind of graduate. <laughs> this is this is your opening argument as to why we should be playing board games. I'm kind of yeah. if I can jump jump back a little bit. Did you, with regards to the chess? Yeah. Did you go and did you do that quite seriously? Did you go into tournaments? With yes, I, I went to my I went to the club on my uh, hometown. Yeah, and at the time we did have computers, but they weren't uh, nearly as good as today, as far as uh, chess programs are concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went there. I after school, uh, I had lunch, and then I took some time to, to myself, like to take a nap. 
mm-hmm. and then I went to the to the club, uh, and then it, it was almost 4 p.m. and I stayed there until maybe 11 p.m. Whoa. when my mother would pick me up. Did and you? And then um... I would read books and solve puzzles, uh, all the works. Did you do um, competitions? Did you go into yeah. local competitions against other? I mean, what what level did you reach with the chess? Did you get? Did you become quite well known? Were you quite high up or? No, I was never much known. I used to win some couple of tournaments, but it was not something we have. Uh, we separate here uh, chess tournaments organized by the federation. Uh-huh. And chess organ uh, chess tournaments that are dedicated to school players. So I played with other students uh-huh. uh, okay. of other schools, other states. I, the farthest <coughs> I the farthest I got was a uh, state champion from oh, right. uh, from my age. I I don't remember actually uh, what age I was. I think it was uh, under fourteen, under mm. twelve. I don't remember, but it's something like that. And you were state champion. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, uh, and then I, I I suddenly stopped playing. I don't know why. I think to dedicate myself to studying, uh, so I could get to a, a good law school. All and right. then I, I slowly drifted away from from chess. Did but you to just this day? I am a fan. To this day, I follow the news and yeah. I purchase books and follow chess stuff online do you ever have the occasional game of chess then yes, yes yeah do you play do you play chess with your parents then yes i played uh, when they introduced me to the game now they don't like it anymore <laughs> it's pro- probably because you used to play it for six hours yeah <laughs> it, it, it was suddenly not fun anymore i would point, point them out why did you make this move it makes no sense <laughs> Oh dear! Why did but you then, uh, but then, fortunately, my brother got into chess as well. He's seven right. years younger than me. Okay. And uh, we, when we meet, we have some fear. We had some fierce struggles of chess. Nowadays, we only play arena when we meet. Of course, look at that, Shirak. That's a completely different, different thing. I take it that um, is chess being a strong influence on on arena yes. then. Yeah. Yes, okay. it is. Okay, so you jumping forward again, and sorry to to interrupt, but you said you um, multiple oh, the kind of the introduction of online video gaming took you back into into board gaming. So what was the? Yes, that's that's when the board game industry. I think I think that's the reason why the board gaming industry exploded in the world. Yeah, uh, but my introduction, my specific personal introduction to this modern age of board games, I think it happened much more recently than for most of you guys from the community I have been meeting on a daily basis. Uh, it was a few years back. Uh, my girlfriend, my then girlfriend, now fiance, oh. took me to a board game store on a weekend. Uh, in, on this board game store, her brother and a friend of his were organizing a tournament of a board game they were developing. Uh-huh. And uh, when I got there, man, it was insane. People shouting and laughing and having fun. Every single play table uh, 
was with a prototype version of the then uh, arena. The, the name was gonna be Arena, but then we added some more things to call it Arena the Contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a later introduction to the game. It was kind of made already. At least the PvP per- portion. Uh, uh, we then later on added a cooperative mode, mm-hmm. game mode, uh, including an epic campaign, which we call kind of a legacy mode because it has a background story with tough decisions that you... Well, but anyway, we're talking about how I was introduced <laughs> to board games, and that was the event. Uh, I I can say that Arena the Contest has introduced me to the board game world, and since then I have been playing uh, like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, how many... Do you have a lot of board games, then? Have you... I have a few. I have a few. I have to say, I don't have that uh, impressive shelfies we see on <laughs> board game groups. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I have some. But on the other hand, I bet you've played all the games that you have because. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see people that say, look at my entire room full of board games, and it's like, well, have you played them all? And they're like, um, I've played 25% of all the games. <laughs> <laughs> you see that no, but, but that 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 is a very important topic uh, because uh, that's a very important thing I like to address when I talk about uh, the development of Arena the Contest uh, because it is a, a philosophy that drove our entire creation process. Oh, right. uh, that is, my, my partners and I grew up in Brazil, a struggling country where the average the average yearly income is about eight thousand dollars yearly eight average uh that makes us appreciate the real value of things uh an accessible and infinitely replayable game like chess was invaluable in my childhood and that is a model to our company uh making games for tables not shelves uh, I'm always impressed with these shelfy pictures I see online. Some people are intense pr- play- players, no? and they actually get everything to their tables. But I have already read some curious statements, like one guy who said he played less than you said said 25 yeah. <laughs> percent uh, of the games on his shelves, and another one who says he considers a, uh, a board game valuable or at least worth his money when it gets. 10 hours of gameplay. 10. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just take this moment now and clearly state this right here, right now. You may end up not liking Arena the Contest, but if you do, and 95% of the people who tried it does, you can play it for years and never get sick of it. This is truly an infinitely replayable game with a ton of different experience and not one cent you spend on it is gonna go to waste you know that was something we had very clearly in our minds as we were developing the game we wanted to make something that would last and would feel valuable Mm -hmm. so what i mean how was arena the contest was that already like a formed game I mean, when you came in, did you? What part were you playing in actually the development of the game? What's your role within Dragori Games just now? 
Yeah, uh, I started kind of uh, like a playtester for the PvP version. Mm. It was immensely different than it is today. Uh, and then I made several contributions, especially on the cooperative version of the game, because as a writer, I got to uh, develop the entire story uh, oh, right, behind okay. the cooperative mode. And I also, I also took a very important uh, part in developing the world in which Arena is set. Uh, we have created an entire rich world. Uh, we call it Tanaris. Uh, and this is the world where the uh, where the game is developed. It ha- we have a world map where you can check on it when you're going to play the journey of the epic campaign. Uh, and I think that my background on law uh, actually helped a lot on uh, developing the rules and making the logical connections between hypotheses and consequences. Uh, so I helped perfect and change a lot of the player versus player game mode. Mm-hmm. And they had a crucial part in uh, player versus environment or cooperative mode, which is basically a dungeon crawler with a story. Okay. okay. You can also play cooperative mode. Uh, we, we were very aware of people that uh, like to get into the action fast. Uh, so cooperative mode, you can play it... Uh, in any particular sequence you like, without following the background story. Or you can select a mission on the mm-hmm. map, and then you have uh, the primary objective and side objectives that go to from defending a temple for six rounds against an invasion to escorting a VIP to simply defeating the boss. Uh, but we also have this other... A separate game mode within cooperative mode, uh, which is following a background story in which you take uh, uh, tough decisions and uh, you, you you have a, a branching story uh, with several endings. And I took, uh, I think that is the part of the game in which I had most participation. So the, the mechanics behind it is it a <clears throat> Is it a is it a kind of like a multifaceted kind of dungeon crawler? Because looking through looking through the website, you've got some beautiful looking miniatures. I think one of the things that one of the reasons I said I have to speak to you and have to get you on the show and we have to have this conversation was because the the art the strength of the artwork. The way the miniatures look, the entire presentation of the game is is stunning to me. I'm a very, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, in the that are a fan of board games are very much into the visual side of things. But um, yes, art I mean, is king, they say. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, what, what, what if they when they've got the box? What are they going to find when they open the box? Is it like a semi dungeon crawler? Is you know, is it, is it a campaign? Is it a lot of different things? Is that what you're aiming to do with, with? Yeah, with well, the when game? I when I when I said that uh, we wanted to make a really valuable game, uh, mm-hmm. part of it is the wide array of experiences you can have with Arena. 
Hmm. I think the the thing that most uh, what really sets Arena the Contest apart from other games, in my opinion, uh, is how you can easily adjust the game settings to fit your preferences. We understand how much some people like cooperative games more, while others enjoy the thrill of PvP. Mm-hmm. So we put both experiences into the game. You can play a fast action game or a long adventure. You can build your own arena or not. You can role play or not. You can read more story and interact more with other players or focus on the action over the board. Mm-hmm. You can play a simpler game or apply an optional feature then that increase the depth of strategical elements that compose the game. So when you open the game, you will find two game modes. Uh, you have th- three books, one rule book, one quest guide, which tells you the uh, characteristics and settings of the scenarios and missions you will play on cooperative mode. And you have a campaign tome that we call a campaign tome, mm-hmm. uh, which contains the story of the epic campaign, uh, which is the uh, one of the modes of the campaign, mo- uh, one of the modes of the cooperative mode. Uh, it contains several clues and information you gather after beating a mission and such. Uh, you will get also lots of heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the, the player characters, so to say, of the game. They are the ones who will fight in the arena. Uh, but basically, uh, arena is a tactical fantasy combat board game. Uh, it is for one to eight players. Mm-hmm. You can play solo or up to eight players. And it has these two game modes. In player versus player, two teams of three or four heroes will fight each other in the arena. Okay. Uh, the, con- the concept is really that simple. Though we do have a rich background and setting that I invite everybody to learn at dragorygames.com and at uh, our Facebook page. Um, and depending on the number of players, you can control an entire team like when you play chess, or a single hero, like when you play League of Legends or Dungeons and Dragons, so, uh, something like that. Uh, you can customize the battle grid with tiles that impact the gameplay. There will be dozens of tiles like lava that damages heroes that touch it, walls that block heroes' vision and movement and more. Uh, you can assemble over a trillion different arenas with these tiles, but if you like super fast up, uh, fast setup times, uh, the back of the board will come with a pre-assembled arena mm-hmm. uh, made by our illustrator that made all the artwork for the game, almost all the artwork for the game. And it is especially designed for a super cool, strategically deep, tactically intense and balanced uh, player versus player fight. The, 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 well, the miniatures are the heroes now. Each performs a specific combat role. Uh, combat roles determine the hero's stats and passive yeah. power, but even within a combat role, the heroes who represent it are vastly different because each hero has four different attacks and every single one of them is unique in the game. That means you can have thousands of different compositions and combos and counterpicks and strategies to explore even with uh, before the match even starts. And this is only on the PvP game mode. Cooperative mode, it is a bit different in the sense that you uh, assemble a single team of four heroes 
and they will face automated enemies on specific scenarios with unique objectives that range uh, from, well, I read said, right, uh, escorting a VIP, uh, rescuing prisoners who are being held hostage by orcs in a citadel, so it will keep coming back to the table. So that's, I mean, that's that's important. I mean, you've said again and again that you want a game that provides that provides value to people. Yeah. In terms of the um, in terms of the artwork, the artists that you have involved in the game are they are they remote to you, or are they somebody that's actually sitting in on the game and helping with the design? Because it's it's interesting that um, have they had some say in the type of characters that you're going to be bringing bringing into the game as well? Because the I'm looking at the I'm just looking at the the gallery and the gallery of um, heroes and foes that you have, mm-hmm. and you're looking at people. You got a large number of kind of various, a whole diverse kind of cat range of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from the was it um, Azimore the Red Dragon <clears throat> to just things like the Sentinels um, to the actual main heroes kind of thing. Do you have kind of like quite quite in depth discussions with the with the the kind of the artist? Have they actually come up to you with ideas and said, "Have you thought about doing this type of hero because I can draw this type of hero into it"? Has it been quite a shared a shared experience? Yes, I, I, that is, I think, one of the coolest, at least for me, uh, because I have this background on uh, fantasy and writing uh, but i think one of the coolest experiences of making this game was developing the characters uh because every we including the expansion we plan on launching with the kickstarter we will have a total of 28 heroes and every single one of them has a background story and they have unique attacks, and they have. We tried to put as much synergy as we could between the attacks and the way they look, and uh, integration with the artist. The artist received the prototype of our game. We have discussions with him about mm-hmm. uh, about the game design. He's not as deeply involved as uh, the Dragory Games partners. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he does uh, include uh, observations and things he wants to try. Um, the art director of the project is actually one of my partners. It is my uh, my brother-in-law. He's the right, art okay. director of the project, um, and he has deep discussions that relays back to us uh, with the artist and. Uh, we have some 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 interesting uh, adjustments and modifications we made based on this relationship. Uh, for instance, if you take our our bard, mm-hmm. uh, it's Jade the bard. Jade the yeah yeah yeah. Before that, she was before she was a bard. She was a gene. All right, yeah, okay. Basically, like um, Aladdin. It's DG DGIAN and yes, it's like yes, a mystical. Yes. It's like the genie of the lamp would be considered a, a genie. Yes, basically, yeah, yeah. Yes, she she was one of the 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 the, the heroes that took so much 
most modifications, you know. Uh, people who simply didn't like to play with the gene, they didn't yeah. pick the gene. For some reason, I can't really explain, they didn't feel drawn to the gene. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we changed it to the bard, and our artist made a spectacular work with her. And we changed a, bit, a little bit some of the attacks to be a bit more closer to what she can provide. And suddenly she's one of the most picked characters out there. People love her, and they make combos with her ukelanjo. It's the weapon I call her. It's yeah, a mis that, mixture yeah, yeah. of ukelele with banjo. It's yeah. the ukelanjo. <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and the artist had, uh, has many credits for this, for this character. Because he really helped develop her, and uh, we made many modifications. We we actually we actually plan to have a separate and single blog post just to talk about developing Jaded. It's a really cool story. Okay. But that's it. Uh, <laughs> um, we are really. I, I'm really actually. I'm really actually personal personally excited about uh, gradually disclosing a bit more of the history and stories behind each character because every hero is really unique none of them is there just to fill up space you know yeah yeah i mean is it because when you're writing when you're writing kind of like fantasy characters it's very very easy to fall in the trap of having the you know this is the angry warrior who's misunderstood because he's had a dark past or you know, this is the strong woman who <laughs> goes yeah. around fighting men, kind of thing. So it's very easy to kind of fall into that, fall uh, into that we, trap. We, we fell, we fell into some of these uh, stereotypical characters. We we didn't manage to <laughs> altogether escape from it, but we have some uh, some interesting, uh, original, unique perspectives on some of the characters, and mm. everybody is invited to go and check them out. Uh, okay. For instance, one of my, uh, I, I, I we also make playtests about the the stories. It's not playtests, like reading tests. Uh, and one of the things that people most enjoyed, for instance, was knowing that our minotaur. It's it, that how you say in English, minotaur. You know, yeah, minotaur. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the actually he's one of the most intelligent. Uh, He's actually one of the most intelligent heroes in our pool. All right, okay. Uh, and he's a bit... Uh, he's the master of arms. And uh, he is polite and educated and verboragic. And it was a nice surprise for people to see that. <laughs> because then you've got people like, um, say, Zani, the fire sorcerer, who... <clears throat> he just looks like he'd kick your butt. Basically, <laughs> he's not. He doesn't look happy. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's, got a, <laughs> he's a mean, mean character. He's a, he looks really, really kind of like he's just had a bad day, and then somebody has set fire to his hands. So he's not very. <laughs> he's not. He's not kind of happy at all. I mean, yeah, he has. He has a flavor <laughs> sentence that says, um, "Fire can warm, brighten, gather." Uh, I use it to blind, burn, destroy. 
He says like I'm, he's had a he's had a bad day in the office. He's maybe had yeah. that one extra bit of paperwork. Yeah. And and, and that fill. reflects a bit of his and that reflects a bit of his history. He grew up in a village. It was the only village in the world where uh, people uh, could control fire. You know, produce fire with their own hands. And they used that fire to gather people on bonfires and to illuminate the city and all, but Zanak couldn't produce fire and that made him angry and people cast him away and right. he got, and he resented that. And when they, he, he discovered how to use his powers, uh-huh. he would, uh, put it up a notch and instead of <laughs> brightening, he would blind. Instead right. of warming, he would burn. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how how involved? I mean, you mentioned that you are doing a lot of writing. So, you, I mean, is is a lot of the backstory is that coming from you? I mean, have you got other characters that you would like to bring in to the game yourself? Are you still very interested in doing a lot more kind of creative writing for the for the game? Yeah, it's tough to be able to develop good quality stories because it requires a severe amount of time and there is just so much going on with the imminent launch of the game. Mm -hmm. But I have already written uh, maybe seven complete stories, a lot of other short stories from other heroes, and... Uh All of them already have their skeleton, their outlines made. And uh, one thing that I find interesting is that their stories are not simply uh, narrated uh, as a third-person omniscient view, mm-hmm. like you're you're used to. Uh, their stories are told uh, through a wide array of different instruments like uh, a piece of newspaper from one of the cities in a game and a piece of the traveling journal, a diary that is found somewhere, you know. Uh, there's even a forensic report in one of the stories from Hurik, our, our dwarf warrior. Uh, w- one part of his story is built, uh, is developed throughout a uh, a forensic report made right, before okay. an arena fight. That, there, uh, that, that is something I really like about the development of the stories because it really brings another level of immersion to the game, you know? Reading a newspaper from the, the world yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's something, I guess, that normally what would happen is in a game like this, you would get your character card would be sitting in front of you, and it yeah, would and give the, you, and it their, give and their you the stories, history. Yeah, yeah, and their stories slightly intertwine and uh, culminate in then having to fight in the arena because it's not fun to fight in the arena. They all have a purpose to be there. They don't mm-hmm. just fight because they are warriors and they want the money or something like that. Uh, they all have a purpose for being there and their stories are slightly intertwined. So it's very interesting. I'm looking forward to when I get to be able to disclose their stories. I have already made, it for, made the story of uh, Niri, who is the elf. Yes. Uh, Hurik, the, the dwarf. Uh, Morlog, uh, Katarina, the witch. Um, Zanak, Juliet. 
many of them already have uh, Talia, the Druid, mm-hmm. okay. Cedric, Cedric the Cedric Garion. They all have already their own stories, and they are uh, some of them are already starting started to be published on DragonyGames.com, but we I had to stop it for a while to get the game done. Okay, you've got miniatures in there. Um, and they're obviously their graphical, their computer graphic representations. Have you had any of the miniatures kind of made so you can see them, so you've had them in your hands yet, or is that a little while off? Yeah, we already made some prototypes of miniatures. Oh, right. uh, we are going to disclose them soon. Uh, we're having some of them painted. Others will make will compose a full prototype that we'll send to reviewers so they can shoot videos and talk about the game to uh, on previews. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they are not the same quality you can expect from the game box because uh, it is uh, cost-demanding. Uh, I don't know the, the right expression. No, yeah, that's... Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's, expen- to, it's expensive. To, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's expensive yeah. to make the molds and uh, be able to craft in the same quality of the manufacturer but we are making some some miniatures we will have a prototype done it will not contain the 28 uh, the 28 uh, miniatures and heroes but no. it, will, it will give people a good idea about how the game is played with uh, i think we're going to make all 12 of the car box mm-hmm. and or maybe 8 i don't know we're going to have one uh, rep- uh well, one representative of each combat role that is for sure. Have you um, have you thought about using kind of standees as instead of having miniatures in the game to reduce the cost? Then yes, we have, uh, we, we have thought about that. We have tried playing playing with standees, but uh, the experience is at really another level when you play with miniatures. Yeah, uh, but we made about fifty envelopes it's a it's a version of the game you can play you can put every component on an envelope and we are going to send these envelopes to reviewers bloggers and people who want to try out the game mm-hmm. and these versions these envelope versions that we call uh, they have standees instead of miniatures okay okay they have a graphic representation of the renders of the miniatures so people can take a look and see how the final product is gonna turn out but yeah. um, but that's it. They're gonna play with uh, with standees. Okay, okay. Um, in terms of production of the game, are you are you hoping to get it kind of developed and and manufactured in China? As seems to be the the kind of the yes, I guess the, the normal thing. Yeah. Yes, that's the standard due to simply the cost. And then we plan on doing what what people recommend. You know, there are many. Very good sources online. If you are, uh, if you're listening to us, and you are uh, an aspiring designer slash publisher, mm-hmm. uh, there are many good sources, like on James Math's blog and Jamie Stegmeier's blog. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the standard is to have it manufactured in China, and then according to demand, to distribute it to fulfillment centers on Europe. Uh, USA, uh, depending on demand on Australia, even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With you, um, with you guys being based in Brazil, um, 
have how um how welcoming have you found I mean have you spoke to any other other kind of like board game bloggers, podcasters, other people like say myself about covering the game? Yes, uh, we're we're, stri- we're starting to spread out to other people to see if they wanna uh, try out the game, spread the word, get to know mm. more, and they are they are all very receptive. Of course, they are all very uh, entertaining. I would say, mm-hmm. and uh, we are actually very excited to know that in this information age that I spoke of earlier, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, people from other countries with good ideas get to spread their word to the world. Uh, you take, for instance, many recent games on Kickstarter that are not based on US. Yes. Uh, you say the seventh continent, their designers are from Europe. It yes. Seems. yes. Um, the guys from Mythic Games who made Mythic uh, Battle of Pantheon and most recently Joan of Arc, they are from France, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, yes. So it's really stimulating to us to see that it is possible and in, uh, it's re- I'm, I'm still baffled to know that, that there is some random guy in, say, in, in Thailand who is excited about her game and wants to know more, you know? But I think do you know what, do you know what it is as well? Is that um, there are there are a lot of games being made in the UK there are a lot of games in Kickstarter that are from America, but I think that what you get when you see like a board game from another country outside those areas is that you get a kind of a different, you can get a different take on a genre. There was a game, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was a game that was all about airships fighting ships in the sky basically, and I think the guy was maybe, I don't know if he was from, I think he was in Thailand, I think the guy was based. But it was a completely different kind of view of how things looked, and the gra- the way the graphics were presented, the way the story was done, it was done in a slightly different, jo- it kind of freshened up that kind of genre. And I think that um, with, with the way Kickstarter is going, um, I think you're going to start seeing campaigns kind of running in well, I already see them in Australia. You know, I already see them in Canadian dollars. I see them in Australian dollars. Yeah. I see them being run in. Um, I see them being run in in Krona. You know, I, you know, um, I think it's only a matter. You know, you see them in euros. I think it's only a matter of time before Kickstarter continues to kind of to kind of branch out. And I also think that board gamers are one of the most open groups in terms of experiencing what they know in a new in a new setting you know mm-hmm. so i think that's why i think everybody's interested nobody wants to miss out in the hobby you know that because there's so many kickstarters coming out there's always the danger that the next one that does something really differently or gets people excited people don't want to miss out on that so that's mm-hmm. why i think when when someone like yourselves, who's are based in Brazil, are approaching bloggers and are approaching YouTubers and game previewers and reviewers, you're probably less likely to get somebody kind of saying, I'm not interested in looking at your game because you guys are based in 
a completely different country kind of thing. I think, as you said, the age of communication and the way that a lot of board gamers are, they're, they're generally quite curious and interested to see, well, if you're doing like a a battle game or a campaign type game, what is it, you know, what is it kind of going to be? Which yeah, like I, like I state, yeah, like I stated earlier. Also, uh, board gamers uh, play board. Many board gamers play board games because it's the perfect excuse to meet a group of friends and to have fun and to meet new mm-hmm. people. So they are always open to new ideas and uh, things that are different. And about the the diversity of approaches, it is undeniable that we have some cultural. Uh, appropriations, uh, influences uh, that many people don't really get to see because how many games they know that were designed by guys who were born and raised in Brazil? You know? I, know. But, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, it's... And, and it's interesting to see. Many times I had this experience in watching uh, foreign movies. I, I know uh, USA, uh, Hollywood nah, has these uh, great productions with uh, incredible budgets and they are spectacular productions. But sometimes you see a, a foreign movie like from, I don't know, Sweden or something or Southern Asia. Yeah. And you and you really find it interesting how they approach the story, how they tell uh, a tale in a different manner, how different their view and approach is to something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With you, um, with you being um, where you are, and you saying that obviously salaries and things like that are a lot lower um, than what you would expect in you know the USA or the UK. Um, has it been more of a strain to get the resources together, the financial resources together, to have the art kind of created, to get the prototypes developed and things like that? Has it has it been more of a kind of a team effort in pulling the kind of the money together? Yes, definitely. This is a huge problem because our uh, currency is worth right now three point three times less than the U.S. dollar. Right. Okay. And even less than that, if you count uh, pounds or uh, euro. Yeah. Uh, so it is really demanding, especially because one of the other things you said uh, recently uh, about people are open to getting to know our game. A huge part of that is the quality of our production. We are doing everything as perfectly as we can. Yeah. We, are, we are very uh, perfectionists. Uh, the three of us from that Dragory Games, mm-hmm. and uh, to make something like that, we still don't have the resources to pr- to simply produce the game, to simply yeah. to simply distribute and manufacture it and make it. Uh, but we do uh, have the resources to make quality prototypes and quality product. It is a product that is being developed for the last six years, so wow. there is uh, there is some part being saved in each of these past six years we reached out to friends and family to help us with that and everybody has been awesome especially after they tried the game because they know it's a good idea that Mm -hmm. has a really extreme potential and now that we are every single day seeing how the game is getting 
more and more ready and more and more finished. We are getting very excited and proud about the what this game can become in the future. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, so, do you have? I mean, have you thought about then a price? Because you've got miniatures in the game, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of characters in the game. That says lots of characters suggest, lots of cards suggest, lots of cardboard suggest a decent sized box. So have you decided on kind of like a cost per box? I guess you're going, you know, when you go to Kickstarter with this, have you thought about an actual price point for what you're looking at charging people for? Yeah, we have an idea. I wouldn't like to... uh jump the no yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i don't know the expression in english but to be ahead of myself and state some price point but we are talking to many uh, high quality manufacturers like panda uh, gm yeah. and long pack and we are uh since we recently made some adjustments to the game we included more cards and we downsized a bit of the the number of pages in the books and we are mm-hmm deciding on some kickstarter exclusives so we are still working with the manufacturers to get to a final cost uh, right okay. okay it will also depend on a bit on how much we expect from people so we can get uh, uh, the funding goal set right and the funding goal will determine how much will be the price point range because uh, if if we produce more games, they will be uh, cheaper, because we will, we will dilute the price of the yes tool yes, and the manufacturer will produce then at a lower price. So we're still getting things done, but it will be about the same thing you can expect from other games of the same uh, quality and genre. Okay, okay, because um, you are. I mean, this is. You're what Kickstarter was created for. I mean, you are the guys that have put some work in, have a really, really good idea, have spent, put the time in, and now what you need is you need people to step up with their with their money and put their money yeah. behind you to kind of make sure that this kind of... You're changing an idea into an actual kind of reality um, for this. Yeah, um, we really... Uh, besides the quality of the production uh, mm-hmm. we are really uh, we really trust the mechanics we really trust the over a thousand play tests we have made in the past six years we really trust that the, this game has a great future so it's not as demanding on us personally when we have to spend a bit more money here and when we have to uh, spend more time actually we the personal costing time consuming from this game is enormous, but we are we do it uh, gladly because <laughs> we know people will enjoy it. We will have uh, we will we have the potential to lay a new landmark in the board game industry of this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there other? Um, I mean, this is when I appear ignorant, but are there a lot of other designer developers in Brazil? Who are developing their games? Who are looking on you to see well, to see how how you do? You yeah, know, there, there there are many aspiring designers. I think people with good ideas are out there everywhere. But like we discussed today, 
it is very demanding to do something uh, over here. Uh, we ha we we have been approached by some people who even wanted us to, uh, since we established the company in USA, we're going to have a Kickstarter charged in dollars, US dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they even approached us wanting to try out their game so we can publish them as well and something like that. You know, that there are crowding, crowdfunding platforms as well here in Brazil, yeah. but with a much more limited uh, market because yeah. even though Brazil is giant, uh, there is the board game industry here is still crawling it's starting to grow every time more but it's nowhere near as near uh, in development as is in the u.s mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we have many many cool people here with cool ideas i think in the next i don't know 15 years 20 years you're gonna hear much more about brazil well you're gonna be probably <laughs> you're probably gonna be one of the guys that's gonna be <laughs> In charge of that, if, you know. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the historical. Yeah, they'll be looking back, and this will be like, well, this is where you heard, this is where you first heard, <laughs> this is yeah. where you first heard about the heard about the company. But I mean, um, is it? But it, it it is demanding in several aspects. You know, one of the things that makes me more sad, actually, about being physically distant is the impossibility to go to several conventions that happen in the US, you know? Yeah. We have to use uh, representatives and people who will distribute uh, things about the game. We had uh, people in Essen, uh, most recently in Germany, who were giving, uh, giving away promotional cards for, uh, to raise awareness about our game, but we can't be physically present there. And that is something that really kills me. Uh, I really want to uh, each time more people trying out the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's as I say, something's got to start everywhere. I mean, we're the same. I mean, we're obviously thousands, thousands of miles away from, um, you know, from Unpacks Unplugged, which was, you know, which has just happened. You know, yeah. S in itself is a little bit, you know, it's it's closer, but you know, it's still a trip. I mean, it's lucky there's still. There's quite a few kind of conventions within the UK, but I mean, obviously for for ourselves being in in Scotland, the going to the board game geek con would be yeah. kind of like a dream. Well, maybe you know, maybe more, maybe one day we'll meet up there, Dan. That would be great. <laughs> that, that would be the, that. That would be great. That'd be that'd the be idea. Great. We that could be, be everywhere at the same time, but it, it really is painful to me to know that many people are missing out on our game because. We simply cannot be. At least, if we could be in conventions all the all over the U.S., it would already make me really happy. But mm -hmm. to circumvent that, we are currently talking to people from Tabletopia and yeah. Tabletop Simulator to see if we can get a good prototype version of our game there. <laughs> and we will soon disclose more about that. Uh, and more about the mechanics and how the game is played also on, on Board Game Geek. So if there's anyone interested in listening, uh, you can subscribe to our game there and we'll soon have more news. Excellent. Um, do you, I mean, is there other, are there other games on the kind of the design table for yourselves? I mean, I, I take it you've got quite a few games that you would like to 
I mean, is, is there other ones that you're kind of expanding on, on the kind of the arena universe? Um, have you got other ideas? Do you yourself, do you have other ideas for a game that you would, you'd like to kind of design and get to the table at all? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, uh, that's funny because uh, amongst us, my partners and I, we had to draw a line and say, no, we cannot develop <laughs> this product any further or we are not going to launch it. We had yeah. to, we, we had to pin the nail. I don't know if that's the right expression. I use many expressions that are born <laughs> in, in Brazil. Yeah. But you, uh, we, we had to set a line in which you said, okay, this product is finished. We yeah. cannot put any more things in it because uh, this game is, will not get done. And we had a game with over a thousand playtests. So if anything we produce right now will be at a less developed, uh, with more chances to get in trouble, you know? So <laughs> anytime any of us comes with, a, with an idea, like, oh, I got a great idea. You have to check that out. Look what, what we can do. We can put this and we yeah. can have cards that do that. And uh, we always answer to each other. Okay, uh, save it for Arena 2.0. <laughs> save it for an expansion. We can talk about that later after the Kickstarter launches. You can uh, then uh, pitch that idea to us again. and We can work on that. But the game is done. Please, the game is done. Excellent. But we, we we have many ideas. I have many ideas concerning stories, and my partners have other great ideas uh, regarding mechanics. Uh, <laughs> one one thing that I would say to aspiring uh, designers out there yeah. is something that many people used to say to aspiring uh, writers as well, which is murder your darlings. Sometimes you you are so focused on how good you think your idea is that you have trouble recognizing that it could harden your overall product to your game. We yeah. had we had once on a, one, one idea for a tile, it would be an, uh, an altar. And this altar would give amazing powers, but you would have to use it carefully and it would be, have many options of use and you could step on it and it would give you some power. But people simply did not understand it, did not like it, did not use it. But we liked that idea. Oh my God, it would be so great. When people <laughs> understand it, when people get to understand how this works, they will love it, but it, it simply does not work. So we had, we had to, we had to, uh, take a humble approach and eliminate things from the game. So that's one thing I recognize many aspiring designers have. They overcomplicate their games because they have a great understanding about it and yeah. they want to put their amazing complex ideas into it and it simply makes the game not work as well as it could. Okay. So uh, that's why we are done with Putting <laughs> more, uh, yeah, we are focused yeah. 100% on launching Arena right now, yeah. but we have a vast list of uh, new ideas for new games and developments within this uh, own game because one of the things that uh, also makes Arena uh, incredible, in my opinion, is the vast possibility for expansions and 
new ideas and new things coming, new tiles, new heroes, new stories. Uh, it can also grow. It can uh, grow a lot. Excellent. If people want to find you on the internet webs, if they've listened tonight and they've thought, um, yeah, this is something that we want to keep an eye on, it's something that we want to be made aware of, it's something that we're even going to consider kind of backing when it comes out, where where can we find you out there online? Well, our, our main uh, community right now is on Facebook, facebook.com slash arena the contest. Mm-hmm. We also have Instagram and Twitter pages, uh, instagram.com slash arena the contest, twitter.com slash arena the contest. And soon we will start to disclose more about the mechanics. We'll talk more about the rules, ask for people's feedback on something we are still uh, trying to adjust and tweak. And so, uh, if you also like to follow that part of the game, uh, you can also subscribe to our game on Board Game Geek. It, mm-hmm. It's still, it, it's still uh, to this point in time, uh, November twentieth. We're talking right now. Uh, we are still not uh, very developed in Board Game Geek, but we'll soon start to post more there, and we'll you can see more things about the game there soon. So I would say simply follow us on Facebook yeah. and subscribe to the game on uh, on Board Game Geek. But especially above all, uh, we would ask you to sign up to Dragar Games uh, mailing list. Yes. So you can be the first to know the exact date we will launch the game and all the more pressing important news we will give to mailing list subscribers first so you can simply type on your browser arena.st slash mail arena.st slash m-a-i-l mail and you can uh, input your email there and subscribe to our mailing list that would be that would mean the world for us it would be great but we will make sure that all of the all of the links are in the show notes so that anybody that is interested they can get direct links to, to kind of follow you that way. Um for ourselves, if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, then you can go to Twitter and you'll find us on We're Not Wizards. You can go to Facebook, you can find us on Guess What? We're Not Wizards. You can go to YouTube and find us on if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast You'll find us there. We're on Instagram at We're Not Wizards. Um, we're on all of the podcast places, Spreaker and Stitcher and Acast. And as we say, Podknife, who we like very, very much. Um, we, our lovely people, our lovely podcast host Podbean, they automatically put all of our podcasts out on YouTube um, every time we punish, publish one, which is fantastic. Um, if we, <clears throat> if you... Um, like what you've listened to tonight, um, please consider rating, subscribing, and even reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And as we say, um, if you um, if you have liked what you've heard, don't give us a 10, because that'll make us big-headed. But don't give us a 1, 
because that'll make us cry. Give us a five because it's in the middle and it's um, it's average and we are decidedly average. But the um, the gentleman who has not been average tonight is uh, Daniello from <clears throat> the wonderful, the fantastic Dragori Games. Um, Richard... Richard, yes. I cannot say how grateful I am for you to have me tonight. Uh, I'm really, really honored and grateful, and thank you for having me. Well, what I will say is, if any of the anybody that's listening tonight, if you are running a podcast, if you are running a YouTube channel, if you are writing a blog, if you anything to do with board games, and you um, are interested in seeing something that's different. Um, that is away from the norm. Then, um, give get in contact with Dan because I'm sure he'll be more than happy to give you some a lot more information about Arena the contest to, to help kind of get the word out there, and we will make sure that we spread the word kind of far and wide. Uh, yes, yes. Besides everything, I'm also the community manager for Arena the contest, so I I answer all emails, all messages you send. Our email actually is arena at arenadecontest.com. Really so easy. You so you, you can contact us. Uh, I will be very happy to answer everything you want. <laughs> um, just a quick shout out to everybody who is newly joined us on Patreon. Um, what are you doing? And um, we're <laughs> really, really grateful for um, some of the people that have backed us recently, um, including um, people like Jason. Thank you very much. Ian, thank you very much. Um, Charlotte, thank you very much. Chris, Sarah, um, Katie, uh, Graham, thank you very, very much. These are all the new people that have been supporting us on Patreon. I'm not going to give out the address. It's just because it's just shameless. But thank you again for everybody who is kind of supporting us in that way. Um, there are only two more things to do, Daniello. Okay. The first, the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Daniello? No, you are not. Definitely not. <laughs> we are um, We are tanks, we are priestesses, we are wizards, we are warriors, we are facing off against each other in a, an arena of fantasy and magic straight out from Brazil. So there you go. <laughs> and, the se- <laughs> and the second thing... It's to say goodbye. Um, so again, it's a, it's a goodbye from the fantastic, from the wonderful Daniello Alcantara. Um, Just call me go- Dan, that's easier. Okay. <laughs> say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been a delight speaking to you. And best of luck. Um, I'll tell you what, best of luck for when the game officially launches on Kickstarter and when it does launch on Kickstarter we'll get you back on because no doubt things will change in the next 3-4 months so we'll get you back on again so you can have a chat just when the campaign's about to come back Okay, that would be awesome that would be Um, but it's a goodbye from me as well so stay safe roll sixes um and check out new things from other countries. It's called experience and it's lovely. Um, but until the next time, goodbye. 